Our session today begins with a conversation with Shruti Gandhi, general partner of Array Ventures, and she calls herself the founding engineer. That's an interesting uh, way to, for a venture capitalist to label herself. Um, so I'm very curious to hear what you're doing, Shruti. Thank you for coming today and welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. And I just have to applaud that, you know, doing something for 21 days is a lot of work, but doing something for 400 plus weeks is a tremendous effort. And I, you know, this is amazing what you're doing. Thank you. So tell us, uh, tell us about our adventures. Tell us about a bit about your background and uh, let's get acquainted. Um, yeah, sure. So uh, my quick background is I was an engineer uh, for a decade and then uh, started a company for a couple of years um, and then switched into venture about eight or nine years ago. And speaking of OM, uh, um, I was a true venture before I spun out um, Array about four and a half years ago. Um, so definitely, I could imagine OM talking to you. <laughs> um, and then uh, Array uh, is uh, founding engineer because uh, the array was formed in the, the belief that engineers um, with great vision and ideas sometimes lack the ability to, uh, you know, engineer their way into fundraising and um, also customer development, go to market. So we decided to start a firm focused on enterprise uh, investing. Um, investing in technical founders and engineers and helping them think about go-to-market and building big, big businesses. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I'm, uh, you must know about the work of engineering capital. I'm friends with Ashmeet Sudana, who has some of those same principles doing deep tech, found, you know, as uh, funding engineers who are capable of doing really deep tech, but may not have quite the business savvy and the, and the, you know, slickness of being able to sell and fundraise and all of that. And, uh, you know, you take all that into account because they are capable, uh, taken stride because they're capable of doing really deep technology work. So, yes, your, uh, your thesis is, uh, is something that we understand very well. In fact, you know, in our community, we work with a tremendous number of very good engineers and teach them the, how to you know, market, how to sell, how to position, all the, all the things that they've never done before, you know, all the business school stuff. They've not gone to business. I didn't go to business school. You know, I did my first company as a grad student at MIT. I, uh, I was a PhD student, and uh, I, you know, at some point I took my master's and left to do my first company full-time, and then I kept doing companies as founder-CEO. I didn't have time to go to business school, and, and frankly, I don't know what, uh, what I would have learned that I haven't learned by going to business school. I, you're, that's actually me. I was at a founder who was technical and, uh, you know, a little nudge from uh, someone who understood business uh, and go to market better, like as you're talking about yourself teaching others, uh, goes a long way for someone like me in, in my shoes in those days. So definitely exactly the reason why uh, I turned her right. So what it takes, tell us a bit about Array. How big is the fund? What stage are you focusing on? What, uh, you know, what kinds of companies are you looking to invest in? 
Yeah, um, so we've, we're now in our second fund. Uh, we have about 42 companies in our portfolio. We do about half a million to a million dollar checks. Um, and we've um, invested in companies that, uh, you know, technical founders who we help with go to market, but also focused on solving problems using data, uh, machine learning, um, and in, in, in every industry, basically. We have companies in, uh, in, you know, health to FinTech to productivity to, you know, sell, to selling to CIOs and, and across the spectrum. So that's what we do. And we like being the first check in the company typically. So there's a lot of names to those rounds now. So I want to avoid using those names, but I want to just say like a first round that the company is making their money. Um, and so let me uh, let me probe a little bit. Um, so, if I understood you correctly, you are doing enterprise-facing companies only, deep tech enterprise-facing company with a uh, data, machine learning, AI focus, and across different across the business sectors that these enterprises are in. Now, um, and you want to be the first check. What do you need to see in a company? for you to want to write that first check? What's, what needs to be already there by yeah. way of proof point? Very good question. And I think it's pretty ambiguous and blurry for a lot of people, so it's good to clarify. Um, the, the thing we look for generally, and I just wrote a term sheet yesterday, so you know, talk, can talk about just exactly that example. Um, the founders that are seasoned, meaning they're operators, if they're not repeat founders, it's usually either one or the other. Uh, our belief is that you can solve enterprise problems by being in an enterprise uh, for a few years. So usually the founders are at a company, large or small. Um, they have experience of about average of four to seven years, if not more. Um, and what they are experiencing is experiencing the agitation. Uh, we call it the agitated workforce. What they, what they are experiencing is this agitation around the pain point that they're facing in that, in that work that they just can't get funding to solve for or something of that effect. Or they're just thinking about it enough outside of their job that they feel like someone should solve that problem. Um, oftentimes, they're now talking to their friends over chat or something, and they're saying, hey, you know, uh, do you think this problem exists for you? And their friends are saying, yeah, actually, if you build it, I'll buy it. And so that's where they get their conviction to go leave their jobs and their current, uh, from the current employers and then uh, spin out as a company. At that point, they have about two or three friends that have, that have helped them build that conviction to leave their jobs, and that's about it. Um, the build and buy decision is basically uh, for down the road. So that's when Ray comes in and says, let us help you figure out um, if these friends basically are going to be really buying down the road. Um, so these are kind of verbal, verbal LOIs, if you will, uh, for, for these founders. So we talk to those, but then we also have a community of uh, um, really seasoned entrepreneurs and founders in, in our network um, as LPs and so forth that um, help uh, with thinking through what we call the second wave of customers. So if you two or three of your friends buy your product, do you think we as a Ray can help you think about the fourth, fifth, and tenth customer? Um, and uh, that is how we 
think about investing in a company? So it's a longer answer to your question, but the way we think about it is to summarize is to, you know, um, have a few friends who might buy your product. Um, and when, when I say buy, like, you know, like a, not one seat for five, $5, more like a, you know, 40, 50, 60 K or more deal. And then, uh, and then us being able to think through and help you think through, or at least and connect you with the second wave of customer. But you don't need them to actually finish the product. Uh, no, no, I don't. Uh, we we invest in one of our companies, Productive uh, Productive.com. Uh, you know, they didn't. They barely had a deck. Um, okay, so you want customer a... validation, pain point validation from their network. Then you want to take that concept and uh, shop it around in your relevant network around that same idea. And then if all that checks out, you're okay with writing a check for the product to be built. We believe the founders that are technical can build the product, especially if they've been at a company, we can pretty uh, confidently, uh, especially with my technical background and the conversations we have with the founders, verify that you know they can build something, right? Um, but that is not enough to build a company. That, that, is, that may be enough to build a product or a feature. And so for us to think through if this can be a big company, these are some of the things we do, yes. Yeah, okay. And um, you said you've invested in about 42 companies across two funds. Could you talk a bit about the fund sizes that you're operating with? We started out, um, usually our funds, we don't really talk about our fund size, but our check size are 500 to a million dollars per check. Why don't you talk about the fund size? Because they kind of, we have a uh, network that is different. Usually there is a fund and then we have a lot of uh, added uh, SPVs we do in the deal in, in addition to our core fund size. So our fund size can vary depending on how you look at it. But the, the fund itself, um, core fund itself can write like a half a million to a million dollar check, which we do. But then we end up writing millions more after that, depending on um, our ability to to kind of convince our LPs to do more checks. Okay, whatever. Uh, we tend to we not get pushbacks on the fund sizes because it's a standard model. And this SPV also comes up all the time that people layer on SPVs on top of their regular funds. So I'm a little bit surprised that you uh, have reservations about talking about fund size. Well, whatever. Um, I guess the reason I'm asking you this question is that is for the follow-on question. So, as you know, the the ecosystem for early-stage financing has changed quite a lot. Um, in the you know early days of the internet, we used to do seed financing, we used to do Series A, and there wasn't a lot of other variations in between. Now we have pre-seed, seed, post-seed, pre-series A, series A, small series A, large series A, there's this whole spectrum of things. And then the other uh, parallel trend that we have been tracking very carefully, and the reason we're tracking this so carefully is because we are not only interested in companies that are going to become unicorns, which is gonna be a very few from, uh, you know, of the entire pool of entrepreneurs, there are a lot of companies that 
are going to be bootstrap success stories. There's going to be companies that are going to bootstrap to exit. And there's a class of investors, micro VCs, small funds, who have come to the conclusion that they can make money in the bootstrap to exit, capital efficient startup to early exit mode as well. And that is a new trend. You know, for a long time, VCs all wanted to chase what has come to be known as unicorns. In the past, we used to see VCs look for billion-dollar TAM and, and very fast growth rate going from zero to 100 million in five to seven years. Those were the characteristics. Those are still the characteristics of the ones that are going to look for the unicorn companies. But there are there is another class of VCs who are looking at the opportunity to make money with a shorter time span and quicker exit and, and small amounts of capital. So that's why I ask everybody, what is your fund size and what is your philosophy? What are you looking for? How are you, what is the fund thesis? So if you want to take this question without disclosing fund size, that's fine too. Well, I think it's a philosophy question per se. That's an excellent yeah. question. Actually. Um, and so, you, you might just find me talking both ways. And so, uh, you know, let's, let's, let's take this a look at what I mean by that is, um, for, in our reason, and, and I, let me counter both. So we do ask our founders, like, how do you get to that 100 million in revenue, right? Like, that is an important question for us to ask. Why is that? Because when we're helping our founders think about, you know, the next round of funding from the typical Tendo firms, it is not possible to get uh, that kind of funding until your, your company looks like that that package product that can get 200 million in revenue fast in, in the amount of time we talk about, right? So that's one way to look at it. The the flip of that is though, for us, um, we have had few exits. Um, we've had Similarity get acquired by PayPal. We've had uh, recently Passage AI get acquired by uh, ServiceNow. And those were in the range uh, without disclosing, because again, the founders don't want us to talk about this in numbers, but in the range of, you know, like very like average, you know, you talk about like 10x, right? Um, and so if, if that is the case um, for a small fund that's, you know, three to 10x is a great number. So math really worked out to your point um, for us because we've returned a good portion of our first fund uh, based on that. So we are, you know, the reason we don't talk about our front is because of like, you know, LP reasons, nothing, nothing else. Um, but the, we are a smaller fund, like, you know, a Schmidt style fund, engineering capital style fund, where those kinds of numbers really matter to us. And those smaller exits are great for us in terms of returning the capital. But it's, yeah. but the I say it's a philosophy question is um, often when you start a company um, and you're thinking about um, just, you know, I think it was going to be like a $15 million. It's never, it's never aspirational enough. Um, and that's, that could be like your uh, ceiling in, in some ways. And so if you think about like a hundred million, maybe you can, you know, start building the company to at least have a 50 million kind of uh, exit, which I feel is often what happens. You build a big picture company and then you can't, you've, you know, you figure out the market is too crowded or something like that. And then you say, if I raise another round of funding, will I price myself out of a acquisition conversation? 
And that is yeah. where the acquisition happens, which is, you know, great. We, we, we definitely want to support our founders that go that route. And I believe that if you, as a founder, feel that you uh, can't take the company further, you know, then you should definitely add right? that, that That is how we think about exits. And, but we, but, you know, we're not, um, you know, just sitting out here saying, let's just go invest in companies that are just going to be 10, 15 million um, outcome right now. Yeah. And uh, right. So, so that, that's, it is a philosophy question. If you are essentially like Ashmeet, for instance, a good example, he is not looking for the smaller exits. He is looking to work as a feeder into this acquires and the, you know, the larger funds, the traditional venture capital funds, and he's doing traditional venture capital, but he's doing it at the early stages. I think that's what you're doing as well. If an exit happens and it needs to happen at a smaller price, uh, quicker, that's fine, but that's not what you're aiming for. There are firms right now that are aiming for the capital efficient because, you know, the large num much larger number of exits happen at the sub-50 million range. And it's a lot easier, a lot faster to do those exits from a deal point of view, Corp Dev, is, is much more equipped to do smaller exits than these huge, you know, 500 million, 300 million, billion dollar exits. So, uh, so there is, you know, there are investors who are looking at that opportunity and, and specifically strategizing and controlling the amount of money that goes into a company to be able to, to not price themselves out of the valuation range. So, so I got it. That's, that was my question is what is your philosophy and, and where are you going? So another question is on geography. Uh, you are based in New York? I'm based in San Francisco. You're based in San Francisco, okay. So what is your geography? Uh, for what I invest in, you mean? Yeah, where do, you, where do deals need to be located for you to be interested in investing in them? Agnostic, we have companies across, I would say, uh, we're investing across the United States. Um, so we have companies, you know, in Philadelphia, Texas, San Diego, you know, and a lot in Bay Area, obviously. Mm -hmm. um, but we also have a different, uh, we've, it's been a new trend right now, but we've actually have over, uh, over half of our portfolio companies have offices um, in, you know, subsidiaries in like countries like India and Israel. Uh, since we do a lot of deep tech like security, cloud infrastructure, you know, a lot of these uh, founders also have relationships back from the country where we're open to that model. Our, our belief is, again, you can build a tech team um, there, and then the other founders with more sales experience can be more co-located with where the customers are. So that, I guess, uh, but there's still, there's still, you know, United States tie, which is pretty heavy for us. But anywhere in the United States is okay for us. Okay. Very good. Um, let's talk about some of your portfolio companies that are um, a good representative for the way you think about investment. So give us maybe a couple of examples and take us through the thought process of when you found them, you know, when did you choose to, in why did you choose to invest in them, what was special about them, and why are you excited about these companies? Um, yeah, uh, you know, I think I, I talk about I just talked about this before. Um, good example of uh, us believing that there are a, a ton of microservices that have come up over the last, uh, you know, decade, and um, there is a lot of CIO spend happening in 
in actually sort of puppy spend actually happening in these microservices. When I say microservices, it could be things like um, Salesforce to Marketo to HubSpot, like you know, just uh, Trello, like people just you know, employees to find things on their credit card or you know, and or um, different business units buying different um, you know seats for their own or on these on these services. But what happens at the end of the day, I see the flood is spend, but and unused seats. Uh, for the spend, and that's what productive helps you, you know, think about how to manage that SaaS spend in your organization. So that's a good example of the and represent representative kind of company that uh, we have invested in. Um, another one is a company called ERDB, the time series uh, database company. Um, we believe that you know databases today need to evolve. To handle the kind of data that is high cardinality, high fidelity data that um, is coming in today, so IT products or, or fintech services. Um, so this company, uh, the founder Todd Person was a founder of another company, the database company in the category called Uniflux Database. And so we offered first check into this new company um, solving problems and in this category, but with a different go-to-market. Um, I, I can keep going. <laughs> I've had 42 companies. Where, where would you like me to stop? <laughs> Whatever. Just, just get a flavor for what uh, what you like to invest in. So any of the uh, workflow microservices that, that hinge on data are attractive to you is what you're saying, I think. And, and then and we have any of the horizontal services as well that are uh, hinging on data. So whether it's security hinging on data or... Uh, right, DevOps, hinging on data, all of those are fine yeah. for you. Exactly. Got it. Okay.